Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Once again, I want to thank all those who send emails to me. Uh, as you know, I love receiving them. We started this year, last, last week's show, with an interview I had here, Dr. Dean Ornish. Those who listened to the interview, I hope you got the sense of the caliber of that man. He truly made a revolution in our conventional medicine. My hope is that his ideas about the comprehensive lifestyle changes being a possible solution to many, many health problems that people face will be adopted by all people in the United States and the world, in fact. Though uh, that will not do too much good for the pharmaceutical companies, and that's why perhaps the, his ideas are not requ required courses in medical schools, which mostly are sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. If you missed last week's show, I highly recommend that you check it out in the archives. Today, I have another special guest. He is not a doctor. He is not a health professional. And yet, what he does and the book he just published has everything to do with people's well-being. And in fact, you know, this is Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox. The tools that he offers are very interesting. Our guest today is Ryan Frederick. Let me tell you first, before I introduce him and give him the mic, uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. Ryan Frederick is the CEO of Smart Living 360. It's a consulting and real estate development firm that specializes in housing and healthy aging. He serves on the National Advisory Board of the John Hopkins University School of uh, Nursing and was a member of the Advisory Council of the Bipartisan Policy Center Health and Housing Task Force. With over 15 years of experience in the fields of housing and healthy aging, Ryan Fredericks is a recognized thought leader on the intersection of place and longevity. Remember, we spoke about intersection of stress and the lifespan and food and lifespan. We did not speak about place and longevity. A true innovator in the space, Ryan co-developed a highly unique age-friendly apartment community, the stories at Congress, uh, Congressional Plaza in Washington, D.C., which attracted actually national attention. Ryan has consulted with countless Fortune 500 companies, major health systems, real estate developers, and investment firms, and has been cited in Forbes and Washington Post. This year, Ryan released his book, Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home for the Second Half of Life. And I know that you, my dear audience, are mostly people of middle age, so, and I thought it would be very good to have this gentleman uh, here with us and share his ideas. Uh, in fact, I, uh, I did not have, unfortunately, I did not have time uh, to read his book, but I looked at the table of content and 
kind of scanned through some chapters. In the book, Ryan offers tangible, very practical, simple tools to help people evaluate their living situations and determine the best place to call home for optimum health and happiness now and in the future. So without further ado, um, Ryan, are you here? I, I am. A pleasure Hi, to Ryan. Hi, may I call you Ryan? You... Yes, yes, please. You can call me Peter. I, I checked you out on the internet. I saw your face. I'm probably the age of your father, so I permitted myself to call you Ryan. So, <laughs> yes, Ryan, thank you. I, I want to ask you something. I do this with every person I invite. Before I ask them these big questions about what they do, uh, mostly uh, people who wrote books or, or do something super interesting with their life. I, I want you to introduce Ryan to my audience. Not Ryan, the, the, the consultant, the developer, the author. What makes you tick? Why you chose in your life to do this? I looked at your face, by the way, Ryan. You don't know, my audience knows. Among many tools that I use in my practice as a health professional, I use one tool called face reading. Americans mm. don't know very much about this tool, but it's taught in medical schools throughout Europe. And so I checked you out, man. <laughs> I looked at you, <laughs> and I, you know, when I uh, when I teach my courses on face reading, I take this kind of a face, and I say, you see, this guy, this guy. If you chose to be a, a, a surgeon, he would be an outstanding surgeon. If you chose to, to develop cars, he would be excellent at that. Anything he chooses, he will be good at. You have a little bit, I think, deep set ties. So I, uh, I appreciate that you came for this show because mostly uh, people with, with your kind of eyes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, natural introverts, really. So... So you like to keep things to yourself, and yet we want you to bear your soul. <laughs> so <laughs> I, want you, I want you to do that. Tell us, tell us. You know, it's a family. Okay, we are all mostly, or at least an average listener here, is older than you. Uh, so tell us about you, who you are, and why did you chose to work with longevity? Why this field? Not any other, because I know you're a talented guy and you're a powerful guy. So why this choice? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, Peter, those are those are very kind words, um, and I would like to believe that you're quite uh, gifted at face reading. Um, I, but it's a great question. Uh, when I, we, we have three teenagers right now. Uh, we've got two in high school, one in middle school, and I have questions with them about what they want to do with their life. Uh, not all the time, but from time to time. And it's, it's, it's fascinating the way life unfolds, Peter, because for many of us, uh, it's an ongoing discovery. And if I were uh, my kid's age, I would be shocked if I were told when I was, you know, at that age that I would have dedicated my, my life really calling to, uh, to helping people live longer, more fulfilling lives particularly with the impact of place. And, uh, and, and I do, um, 
it was kind of you to say in terms of your intuition with your face reading, but I think to some degree it is true. I, I have, have, um, was trained as an electrical engineer. Uh, I was expecting to be more in Silicon Valley, which I was for a period of time after college. Um, went to school, studied electrical engineering at Princeton uh, University, was from California, came back uh, after graduation, um, and was working for several software companies. But I, I one of those companies which went public, uh, and it was exciting and and all that stuff, particularly as a young person, we had a, an ethical scandal happen within our sales team. And it uh, actually sent about a handful of people to jail. I had no idea that there was anything going on until there was this announcement. And and so it really, uh, obviously the company suffered, but it it forced me to take a step back and, and say, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Mm. And and reflect a little bit on the impactful experiences that I had had uh, growing up. I'm, I'm I lean towards uh, innovation. How can things be done differently? Um, in Silicon Valley, sometimes there's a. Uh, it's implicit that innovation must mean technology, but no, innovation has all sorts of different applications. And and I thought more about one of the mega trends of our life, uh, just people living longer, perhaps. The, one of the greatest accomplishments of the prior century was the near doubling of lifespan globally. And, and, but it made me think as I, as I was close to my grandparents, uh, though, though they did not live close to me, um, they were both on the East Coast, I did see them regularly. In fact, my, my maternal grandparents uh, tended to rent a house next to us for about a month each summer. So I had a feeling of what it was like to be with them and, uh, and was close to them. And I, I thought that they didn't, necessarily have a vision for what they really wanted to do in a longer life beyond the traditional retirement uh, vision. And then I was, uh, my sixth grade teacher uh, was really passionate about older adults. And so we got connected to um, an assisted living community uh, where we would, we were partnered with a, a, a buddy uh, each month. And, and my buddy was Melba Rollins and, and she, um, didn't have family in the town. She was really only there because she was blind, uh, otherwise was healthy. And we met, you know, monthly through uh, the school in sixth grade, but we just had a connection. And so we continued to meet in seventh and eighth grade and um, just really kind of walked away after this uh, implosion of a technology company uh, and and said, wait a second, what are, what are these experiences that had impact on me? And do I want to use some of my gifts and passion towards, this this broader cause and that's what happened peter so uh back in uh, about 2003 went to stanford business school and and that summer uh lived in a senior living community Beautiful. for, for part of the only yeah go ahead when people do something very meaningful and impactful and i i love people um sharing their stories people people who come um to be interviewed for this show. And I find there is always a personal story. There is something that happened in their life that, that made them ch- make this choice. It's almost like the path was chosen for them. I don't know if you feel that, you know. With- I, I, I do, and, and it reminds me a little bit of um, of Mark Twain's comment, you know, the two uh, most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. 
And, oh, well, that's, that's beautiful. And, you you and know, I, it, it's such an original idea but when you talk about place and longevity. When we think about the place, mostly we think about Feng Shui. You know, the Chinese, the Japanese, they, they talk about space, how you use space to, to be balanced and so on. But uh, again, I, I didn't read too much about uh, about your field and, and uh, literature on org- organization of space and living conditions as e- being in, in, impacting on people's well-being. But I don't, I, tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I don't think there is much written on this subject. Is there? Well, there's some, and to some degree, Peter, it's, uh, it's shocking. And it's shocking because, and given you know your work on on well being as well and, and health in general, <clears throat> we have a a uh, a big industry focused on helping people once they're sick. Right. <laughs> but but yet, particularly in the U.S., we've really underinvested, I believe, in people's understanding and awareness of how to stay healthy. Uh, and, and, and the thing about place, when I, when I talk about place, I, I think it's important to unpack what I mean by place. And, and sometimes we have a tendency just to think about place as our four walls, um, our built environment, but it's a lot more than that. You know, it is the neighborhood in which we live in. It's the metropolitan area that we're part of. Are we in an urban, rural, or suburban area? What state in the U.S. are you in? Or what region of, a, uh, of that country? Or any country? What country are you in? All of these, the, these elements of place, they, they impact our day-to-day lived experience. And as you know, in the research around uh, uh, longevity, only about 30% of our longevity is, is linked to our DNA, our genetics. The vast majority of it is related to lifestyle and environment. Mm-hmm. And, and so while it's, so, so therefore, you I also you include another, another aspect, it's called psychogenetics. You see, we're focusing on modern science focuses a lot on genetics, and that is the physical aspect of of aging. But what about what about psychogenetics that is living next to your parents and adapting their ways, and their ways have an ip- impact on your well or ill being, and that I think what connects uh, connects us with with the idea of the place, isn't it? Yes, and so what part of what you're speaking to is uh, is the cultural influence that's impacted by place. Right. Yes. You know, we we uh, we tend to forget that we're not just impacted by our friends; we're impacted by our friends' friends. If our friends' friends are obese, we're more likely to be obese. <laughs> If our friends' friends are more likely to be active walkers, we're more likely to be active walkers. It's, a, it's the power of these, of these social networks. And while we are in an age of the Internet and, and social media, you know, our most influential social networks are the physical ones, the ones proximate to us. 
And so when we think about place, we have these tiers, as I described earlier, um, but place has this meaningful both direct and indirect influence on our life. Um, and I'll start with the indirect, right? You, you know, uh, from an indirect perspective, and this is a little bit to your point moments ago with the psychogenetics, right. we're, we know that purpose really matters uh, at any stage in life. Uh, I know there was a study from, I think it was Berkeley, where they found that people with this uh, uh, articulated purpose greater themselves at a substantially lower risk of, of dementia and, and Alzheimer's. And, and so if we're, if we're in a place that works for us or nudges us towards greater purpose, that's valuable. If we're in a place which uh, uh, helps us make it easier to be socially connected, both with deeper friendships, but even loose ties, both are valuable. And, and is so uh, uh, prevalent, well, really prevalent before the pandemic, but the pandemic's put more of a spotlight on, you know, the loneliness, particularly of our American culture. And, and, uh, and, and there's been, as, as you know, these uh, macro studies that, that associate chronic loneliness with the health impact of having about 15 cigarettes a day. So you've got, again, this situation where place impacts how we are socially connected and then, and then place impacts our physical well-being, you know, our ability to be active more often or, or, or sleep well or potentially even the diets that we take on. Um, and then another area that it impacts is our financial well-being. You know, it's not necessarily how wealthy you are. It's, uh, it's how wealthy you are relative to the expense uh, structure you take on. So what we're, many of us are really looking for and the research points to is being feeling financially secure. And, and some places uh, allow us to be more financially well you know, than others. Um, and so you have a number of these indirect effects. We can go we talk about more deeply, but you've got that piece. And then on the direct side, it, it, it's, it's, it's the appropriateness of our, of our place for our physical needs. Um, such as um, if we have any, for example, mobility constraints or, uh, or limitations, are we in a place that uh, makes, that, uh, makes that harder, um, particularly for, for uh, older people? Um, you know, one of the leading causes of, of, uh, of, of ER visits is, is people falling. Uh, and so, uh, to what degree do, or does our physical environment, both our house, but what's around us as well, you know, are they, are they safe from, uh, from a fall hazard, for example? So there's a lot of different dimensions as, as we evaluate, uh, these, these elements of, of place, Peter. And, and I do think it's something that has been studied, but I think deserves a lot more study. Um, there has been some work, um, particularly by, um, Raj Chetty who is a uh, researcher out of Harvard, he's done um, some work linking health outcomes to zip code. And, and there is, uh, is a belief among some research that uh, place is destiny. And if we're in the right place, a number of these um, social determinants of health uh, uh, help us 
along our, our journey. Just like uh, when we're in the wrong place, uh, we've got more of a headwind towards making the right set of, uh, set of decisions. So it matters a lot. Brian, you, you cite these studies in your book? As I said, I didn't read the book, unfortunately. You cite these yeah. studies? I yeah. do. Yeah, I, I've been. Um, in fact, the story of the book is is uh, is is an interesting one too, Peter. Um, you know, I studied engineering, as I mentioned in college, and and I did that um, uh, dis, dis, in part because I, I uh, uh, was not a particularly good writer or reader, um, but um, and, and probably neglected that a bit growing up. Should have read more and written more. But uh, this passion I have around. Uh, helping people think more deeply about um, uh, tips for healthy aging, but particularly the role of place, it has led to a lot of writing over the last number of years, um, white papers and blogs and so on. And along that journey, I've just done a lot of research on uh, on the the, the, the the various elements, I would say, just of our society right now, as I mentioned on the social uh, isolation and loneliness that our society struggles from. But along that journey, really pulling together, yeah, various research. Um, so it, it, it's it, a lot of what I talk about it is grounded in uh, more detailed uh, academic and scientific research. But the, 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 the prose itself is, is really designed to be very readable for, uh, for readers. So you can get the essence of the key points, but the, um, the notes uh, in the end, in the back of the book, go into great detail referencing uh, the various parts of research. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan, I have listeners, I have audience from a lot of people from the United States, thousands, but, uh, but I have people uh, listening to this show from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> from, yeah. from many different countries, from around the world, really. Uh, I, I wonder if you if you can uh, speak to everyone, and that is that no matter where they are, they could make practical, concrete changes to better their health. That is, let's say right now somebody, and, and a lot of people also listen after, uh, don't tune in during the show, but listen uh, to the show on archives because it's a very different time now, let's say, somewhere in Kurdistan. Uh, mm-hmm. So the question is, if somebody finds that where they live, and we'll, we'll talk more about the details, how do they recognize uh, that, that this is not the right fit? But let's for a moment think that they, they do understand it and they say, yeah, I, I, that's not how I want to live. What are the ways first to determine that this is not the best, best place for them? And then what steps can they make to make changes? Assuming that, you know, in America we have relatively uh, still freedom to make changes. In some countries, not so much. So would you would you talk about that? It's, it's a, yeah, absolutely, Peter. It's a great question, and it, it's it's you know in our society, I, I think it's a fascinating time to live. I had a, a woman recently um, do a blog on right place, right time after she received it. She's um, she's European, and she. 
she uh, is, you know, she's in her early 60s and um, has had a corporate career and is now with the pandemic appreciating a bit more these elements around healthy aging and 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 stumbled upon the book and and we connected uh, a week or so ago and 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 it was interesting because the, the book itself the tenets are independent of any particular uh, country which we'll get into in just a moment but um, but it is a bit more of a U- U.S. Uh, uh, lens at least in some of the existing op- options people have because that's where I've spent my time. Um, but I think that uh, given the strong response from the book, it's already on its third printing. Is I who knows? No promises, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, more of an international lens to uh, a future version of the book as well. But to answer your question more specifically, I think. Um, you know, it's tricky, Peter. Uh, part of what I talk about in the book, in fact, later this week on the Smart Living 360 website, I've created an online version of this. And that is um, a series of questions that really uh, uh, are intended to, to prompt a, a person to do more of a self-assessment. Um, I think there is a tendency when we, as I said, when we think about place, just to think about the physical elements. Uh, of our of our built environment around us, and while that's important, as I mentioned earlier, the the impact and tentacles of place go so much farther. And and so this 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 self assessment that's in the book and will very shortly be on the Smart Living three hundred and sixty website helps ask some some questions around purpose uh, in your journey. It asks some questions around um, social connection. Uh, you know, in your stage of life, ask questions about, you know, your physical well-being and your financial well-being and also very questions specific about your place. And so I think there's a, a first step, which is is taking inventory on uh, on your life around these five key measures. Um, and and in, 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 in when, you, when you do that, uh, it's important to understand that if you're deficient in a certain area, which, of course, many of us are, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to move from where you are or to your point, Peter, that you necessarily can move from where you are. What, what, however, what it can do is introduce some ideas to reorient yourself around place, your, your given place. And to give you an example, one of the things that has occurred to me in, in my work over the last 15 years is that in this area is that people, um, Sometimes we recognize that, that, although it's hard sometimes, but we recognize that, that we're changing in different dimensions. What we have a harder time seeing sometimes is that our place changes as well. So even if our address has stayed the same for decades, uh, you, uh, it doesn't mean that the place around us hasn't changed. And one of the areas that does change typically is your neighbors change. About 50% of older adults in the U.S. don't know any of their neighbors. And in general, there's been a pulling away of neighborly associations since the 70s. But one so, thing you can do... Said 50%? Is, don't know their 50%, neighbors? Yes. 50% of, of older adults don't know any of their neighbors. Wow, wow. That's incredible. I, I wouldn't think such such huge number, 50%. 50%. So, <laughs> you know, I grew up, I grew up in the place where... You know, if, if you if your mother doesn't have onion, she goes, 
go across the street, get the onion. And you walk in and you go to the refrigerator of your neighbor and say, can I get the onion, mom said, to get the on an onion. And, and that's how you live. <laughs> can exactly. you imagine? Everybody knew well, everybody else. So, so what's, we've had, a, a particularly in the U.S., but I think in other places, too, um, our energies um, are, are, have been directed in, in different ways. Uh, I, before the pandemic, uh, I had a down, my office was downtown Austin. I live in Austin, Texas. Uh -huh. And I would, um, I would bicycle every, every day uh, to, to, to work. And one thing that I found that was striking, and, and one of the reasons I did that, it was a, a way for me to be physically active every day, even if it wasn't, bike rides only about 20 minutes or so, but got me moving every day. Um, one of the things that I would find as I was biking is I would see um, a lot of TVs on in these houses. And, and even the design uh, of some of our modern housing, the energy of the house oftentimes um, tends to be at the back of the house. You know, we're seeing, uh, it's making a little bit of a comeback in some areas, but the idea of the energy living in the in your front porch, um, you know, that was, that was a more common design before uh, uh, some of the suburban um, uh, uh, templates that rolled out. Buy, more you say hi to your neighbors, right? Exactly. Exactly. So what's, so what's happened along the way now is we have to make more of an effort to get to know our neighbors. Um, and, and, and there are, you know, the research shows it's valuable to have close friends, but it's also valuable um, to, to even have loose connections with your neighbors where you know their name, you know a little bit of their story. Even saying hi to them with their name, it makes you feel better. It makes them feel better. So, uh, so, so there are just an example. There are some things you can do. Even if you're, if if you're in the same house and you need to, or same place, you need to stay there for different reasons, or, or or that's your choice. You can make your current place better, and you can do that by uh, making more of an effort to, to 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 get to know your neighbors or help them in different ways. Um, there are ways that you can, uh, you know, going back to the physical elements I talked about earlier. There are, you know, there are things you can do inside your current place to reinvigorate it or make it safer for you, depending on your particular circumstances. So there are lots of things that can be done without actually having, uh, having to change, um, your, your place. Um, that said, Peter, you know, I do think that we're in an environment now with people living longer, um, 50% of kids born today in developed countries like the U S are expected to live to at least a hundred. And so this, this baby boomer cohort who's living longer is just the beginning of more generations that will be living to, uh, probabilistically, living to 100 years and beyond. And what that means is <clears throat> when you're living in a place or you choose to move to a place, you're not just betting on the physical environment that you have. You're betting on the trajectory of your neighborhood. You're betting on the trajectory of your metropolitan area. You're betting, you're making a bet on the trajectory of your region. You're making a bet on your country in the process. Now, I'm not saying everyone has to be a, a macro economist or a you know, psychologist or a sociologist that measure, measures such things as social capital, but you have to recognize because we're influenced 
by these uh, uh, these networks and, and areas of opportunity, if you're in an area that's growing, you know, that has uh, some real benefits over long term. And even if you're 65 or 60, you know, it's not like you're given today's uh, the science that we have in health and, and, and probabilistically, it's not like you're only going to live for another five years. You could be living for decades. And, and so the question, you know, again, goes back to you, are you in the right place more broadly defined that if you're if you're going to be there for for decades, is, is that the place where you can you're really going to thrive in in this next chapter of your life? So, Ryan, let's think about now this. Uh, our average listener, middle-aged person, uh, who is maybe still working, but is looking forward to retirement, uh, maybe still wanting to live in the house where they, they are, but possibly considering moving. W- what would be your recommendations? Um, how? What choices would be the best for them to live a good, healthy quality of life for years to come? If they have, if they have the opportunity to make those choices, yes, yes, uh, it's a big question, Peter. And 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 what I would say in in, in regards to that is, um, it's almost like uh, the, one of the analogies to think about here is is that of the is that of the snowflake, meaning that each of us is uniquely created, uniquely wired, uniquely gifted, and what one something that you might like, Peter, maybe, uh, you know, not, not what I would choose and, and vice versa. And so I think that there's really a two-step process in this. There's an understanding of the variables that really matter in the context of longer living. And we've talked about some of that in terms of purpose and social connection, physical well-being, financial well-being, and so on. And then, and there's that assessment, like we talked about, well, where do we, where are we on this journey where, where are these areas that maybe we're thriving and where are their gaps? That's the first piece. And then the second piece is, is to really unpack, well, what are, what are my options? And, and in that regard, um, uh, you know, the options do, do vary depending on, on, on where you live, uh, uh, country and, and region of the world in, in some measure. And, and so there's, a, there's this exercise in, in then mapping um, what, uh, where those gaps are and what vision you have with what, you know, the real uh, places are out there. And that can seem like a daunting exercise. I, I talk a bit about the book. It can feel a little daunting. On the other hand, it matters a lot. And so if it's, if it's, uh, if it's foundational, which I believe place is for the trajectory of our lives, then it's, it is a decision worth, worth spending some time on. Um, one of the concepts I talk about in the book is is uh, is, is the concept of design thinking, and design thinking is a is an innovation term that is uh, uh, a number of leading uh, technology companies use universities and Stanford has a design school they call it the P school, and, but the principles are pretty pretty simple um, and it really is applying the scientific method to our day to day decision making process and that is you know we start off with a hypothesis. Uh, around a certain idea, we, we, we build out uh, an example of what a prototype of, of, of what this idea might be. And then before we commit our lives to it, we test it. We see if this hypothesis and prototype is really what we think it is. 
And, and then we invariably learn that it's not to varying degrees. And then we, 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 we change the prototype. We, we shift part of our hypothesis and we iterate on that. And, and the reason I, I think that's an important tool for, for, for as we think about place is if, if you make a decision to uproot yourself, to sell your house and, and uproot to a different, different part of the, the country or, or world, um, that can be really exciting. Can be really, it can be daunting, too. But it often is somewhat irreversible. You know, if, if you sell your house and move somewhere else, the, the, the likelihood of being able to move back to exactly your house and set up the way you did, it's not high. And, and so a, a better way to think about it, perhaps, is are there ways to test whether what I think a certain change would be, would be beneficial is, in fact, the right thing? And, and that's where I think the design thinking principles can be really helpful. We have a, a neighbor here in, in our area where he and his wife are in, 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 in the Middle Ages and their kids are gone, they're empty nesters, and they wanted to live downtown. And so they sold their house and they moved downtown and they bought a condo in downtown Austin. And the first number of months, they loved it. They could, we could walk to the office and uh, there were shops and restaurants. And after about six months, uh, they felt lonely. Their closest friends were back in their neighborhood. They didn't, people were busy, even though it wasn't that far away. They just had a hard time getting together and seeing them. And and his wife missed the ability to do a little gardening. And and, uh, in some of the restaurants, the scene uh, was less exciting over time. So they decided to then sell their condo and move back to the neighborhood they were in previously. And they're fortunate they, they, they had the financial means to do that. But even still, I'm sure that was that was that was painful, and and transaction fees and moving costs and emotional hardship. I think to some degree, so they probably would have been better served, uh, you know, having a, a Airbnb for a few weeks downtown, or maybe a month to see what it was like and see if they could live in a smaller space and how much they would enjoy it, or or they could have rented their house for a year and then rented a condo downtown for a year where they didn't have to make that big commitment just yet. That's so there, you know, there is, there's a formula here, but I, but I think it's, it's important to understand um, that we're, we're, we're exploring in some cases, these options and, and, and uh, it's good to verify that what we think we like is in fact what we like. Ryan, we are talking so far about the place I just want to ask you a question, and I don't know even if you you are addressing it. Uh, what about the space that you occupy? Going back to the, the Chinese and the Japanese, the feng shui, the, how you use yeah. the space that you're already occupying. You, are you talking about it as well? And does it have any impact on your well-being, on one's well-being? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad, glad you raised that, Peter. You know, it's one of these things when um, I'm sure with all your work, it's the same way. Once you start to dive deeper into something, it's way deeper sometimes than you anticipated. And I want to make this distinction between a house and a home. And, and one of the big differences in that um, is this I would say this emotion, even emotional, even spiritual connection to where we live, uh, that there's a sense of, of comfort, of belonging to that place. And so there's, so when we say home, there are 
these non-physical attributes that impact our, our, our well-being. On the physical side, because this is an element of how we orient that space, um, there are, the, yeah, absolutely, there, there are things that you can do, practically speaking, to make that space both more functional, um, also more emotionally connected, which could be part of the feng shui piece. But at the same time, one of the trends that was happening before the pandemic, but has really, I would say, been accelerated is how can, how can our place really be a place to uh, enable our, our, our wellness? And that means, um, you know, architects, they have a, 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 a term they refer to as biophilic design. So where can you put, you know, access to nature in our, in our physical environments? Whether that's having the, we think about natural light, air quality, you know, water as a soothing agent, plants, access to natural landscapes, um, and even indirect ways, right? Where can we have images of nature and use of natural materials and other natural colors like that, that helps bring together, uh, I would say, a certain rootedness mm-hmm. that, that can have, uh, have an impact uh, uh, for us. And, and you're seeing, in some cases, uh, there are newer buildings being built today where uh, they're following certain standards now where they, they measure um, some of those, those attributes like air quality and others to show does the place you're in really pr- you know, promote that, that, that health. That, uh, I- I- and for example, you know, we, tend, uh, we can overlook the fact that we spend uh, north of three quarters of our time each day indoors. And, mm-hmm. and so where we, where we call those places, and today you know, in the midst of the pandemic, more and more of that time is, is actually in our, in our, in our homes. So that's another another thing to think about when you're uh, when you're making sure that your place uh, is all that it can be. Uh, Ryan, uh, I, I, I actually thought we'll be only talking about your book, but I just had an idea. I actually wanted to ask you. You, you. I see here your consulting firm, Smart Living Three Hundred Sixty. You, if people are moving. Uh, and I assume, you know, among our listeners, there are people who are doing it at some point, and they're interested. You are a consulting firm. Do you do this kind of service? Do you actually provide consultations uh, to people of how they can organize their space, how what the best way to move, and, and so on? Do you do this actually, or, or people mm-hmm. simply go on your site and download something? How does it work? Yeah, well, it's it's in process, Peter. I think what's happened, going back to your question at the beginning of of, uh, of of telling a bit of my story, I think my calling is in this intersection of of place and and longevity and healthy aging. And so my time last fifteen years has largely been spent on building places, advising people and different groups to create better places, and and then also developing some great places as well with newer models. This book uh, really is the first effort to put some of these tools and ways of thinking directly in the hands of individuals and their families. And one of the things that I'll be doing now in 2022, based on how much I've enjoyed uh, hearing the impact of the book and, and, and fielding questions from people, is I'm going to be dedicating a bit more of my time 
to to help people, and and that's going to come in the form of um, I'm still working through it right now, but likely in the form of, of creating some um, some workshops and and video courses mm. for people to to understand. Well, how how would I put this uh, uh, to work more directly? Um, and I'm also looking at ways to uh, potentially even have a uh, a weekly talk show just to field questions that people have. So this is, it's going to be an evolution. That's kind of how life is typically, but I, uh, I do, I want to make myself uh, more available for, for questions that people have, not just in the U S but uh, uh, broader than that. In some cases it, it may be, it may be for uh, an individual or it could be uh, a question that someone has uh, asking for a loved one, you know, that they're, they're close to. And in fact, in that regard, I'm mean, just encouraging people to even just reach out to me directly. My email is, is Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at smartliving360.com. Um, but in that process, um, Peter, uh, it's entirely possible that there may be some ways to carve out some additional time to help people more directly. Um, I'm not doing that necessarily today, but that, that could change over the course of the year. The, the consulting work that, that I do primarily is w- with larger companies. And, and more strategy work, but I but I'm really recognizing that as I've gone through this process, that there's a lot of people that um, recognize are beginning to recognize how important this is, and, and and but also don't necessarily know where to begin, or they can get stuck at different points in the process. Mm-hmm. I can totally see you having this. It would have to be a video, not not a audio, just audio, as you and I are doing today. But you running workshops and and having this board on which you demonstrate these days with with Zoom you can uh, move things around you can show pictures you can create designs you can have out of thousands of people you know people uh, people calling in asking you questions that would be a great idea I I don't think something like this exists now. Yeah, you know, I don't think it does. And and going back to um, uh, the comment earlier around how we're all you know, unique, like a snowflake, it, it part of the dynamic is that um, it just it lends itself. Every situation, while there's some similarities, there's there's just uniqueness in every situation, and so it, it almost lends itself to to, to uh, some of that interaction to think it through and. And, and, you know, one thing that, that we haven't talked about as much, too, is is there um, there are more uh, uh, single people now uh, living longer. And, and when we think about place and, and planning for a longer life, it is um, particularly true um, uh, that that there's a great I would say a greater responsibility um, on those that are single or maybe don't have family close by for different reasons, don't have family. Um, and so I think there's a real benefit that, uh, uh, and just peace of mind that can come through with, with a plan. I, one of the, the pieces I push back, I have a chapter on this, um, <laughs> a little bit of a, a rant on it, actually, which is uh, the term aging in place. And, and it's something that a lot of people say they prefer. Uh, I hate the term because feel like aging is something happening to you and in place makes it seem like you're a statue. Um, I suggest that living in community is a better term because it's more proactive. You're an agent 
uh, of your decisions. And then it's in community. You're not alone. You know, it's, it's thinking about broader than just your, your particular physical dwelling. But the main reason I push back on is a lot of times people, they don't really think through how place is holding them back. And that's one of the reasons why I created the assessment because you may love your place. And I know my wife and I, we love our house here in Austin. Um, but we have to continue to assess, is it really the right place for us to thrive in the chapter that we're in? And sometimes aging in place, just saying I'm going to do age in place no matter what, like limits your thinking about, um, about what other places might really help you thrive in, in, in your current or next chapter. And I think even that thinking, for those that, that uh, do subscribe to an aging in place plan, just really that, that thinking, you know, I think some people are going to be really surprised that it's actually their current place. Isn't a great one necessarily for cultivating purpose or being socially connected or or physically active. Um, And and maybe more so it's an issue down the road, but that's one of the things I do push back on a piece is just, we have, if, if your plan is to age in place, make sure it's really, it's a viable plan. I think a lot of times people overlook uh, some of the downsides and how life can change and it's more difficult. Mm -hmm. I think I have some time uh, still for one more question. Uh, uh, What is, and the question is about your book. What are the main ideas that you want people who will read your book to, to take out of the book? Uh, was was there any thought before before you started reading the book? I want this people to learn. You see them punchline, like one thing. What is yes. the main thing that you want to, people to carry away from reading your book? I would say the main thing, Peter, is if you care enough about aging well, living a long, healthy, secure life, to watch what you eat, to be active. To, to save money, place should be on that same pedestal. You should think about place as foundational for a vision and plan for a long, healthy life. That's the biggest takeaway. So while some people are making sure they're eating their broccoli, um, that's, that same type of thinking should be, am I in the right place for, for where I am? I, I, I've been really... Um, honored by some of the reviews on the Amazon book site. One of them talks about how it's the type of book that um, is valuable to, to read, but then revisit three to five years down the road. Are these things still true about me? So that, that's my biggest takeaway. Make sure if you care enough about living and uh, planning for a long, healthy life, uh, how you think about place uh, should be foundational in that in that planning mm. thank you thank you do you want to give uh i repeat again your coordinates your your telephone number or email how you people could reach you if they if if, if that is part of the plan if, if you want them to to reach you yes. yes so a few ways to thank you peter a few ways to reach me like i said earlier um goes back to the calling I talked about. I, I really want to help people think through these big decisions. So um, I'm, I, I'm welcoming uh, reaching out to me directly. Um, and that email is, is Ryan, R-Y-A-N, 
at smartliving360.com. Would you you slow down? I'm actually writing it down. What I will do, Ryan. Oh, sure. um, Tomorrow they will post this interview on the archives. So I will post a link to your book on Amazon, but also let me, but I'm very slow. So at writing now, would you please spell slowly your email address? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my, so my email is Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Why, uh, Ryan? R, yeah, Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Uh-huh. At, at smart, S-M-A-R-T, yeah. living, L-I-V-I-N-G, 360.com. Hmm, that's easy. That's easy. Thank um, you spell, and, for spelling and, it so clearly because most of the time I make mistakes. <laughs> I would never write <laughs> anything if it wouldn't be for spell check and my friends checking my grammar. So very oh nice, my, smart. Yes. Ian at smartliving360 at.com. That's the, the email they can reach you uh, at. Anything else you would like to say before I yeah, say goodbye? Yeah, a couple things. I, yeah, I also I have a... Um, uh, a weekly message that I send out, um, as well as a monthly blog. Um, you can sign up for that at the Smart Living 360 website, which is www.smartliving360.com. And then, knock on wood, hopefully later this week, we'll be releasing uh, on the website as well uh, a self-assessment tool that will allow you to answer a series of questions. It, it takes just a couple minutes. But it'll then spit out a graph that'll show you um, uh, where you are and maybe areas of opportunity and then some specific recommendations uh, to, to think about uh, uh, in regards to you know, planning for your life. And then, and then lastly, um, uh, for those that uh, you know really passionate about this and looking for tips, uh, uh, you know, I just point you to uh, Right Place, Right Time, the ultimate guide to choosing a home for the second half of life. Uh, and that's you know, available at many bookstores and Amazon as well. Uh, and I guess the last thing I would say also, um, there are, in addition to our conversation here, there, there are some other podcasts I've done and, and other articles, too, that you can find online uh, to, to hear more about this, too. So just really appreciate the opportunity, Peter, and love, love what you're doing in, 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 in helping raise awareness and, and real practical tips with your toolbox around uh, uh, well-being and, and, and health in general. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much for coming for this interview. I really appreciate your effort, and, and I learned a lot, and I definitely will buy your book. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Peter. My pleasure. All the best in, in, in the new year to you and to Thank your you. company. Bye. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, now our time is coming to an end. I just wanted to tell you that even though we started this year with two interviews, uh, Starting from the next week, I think I will be spending more time uh, having an open mic shows. That is, I will give you an opportunity to to talk, to to ask questions, to call in with issues. We already spoke about it. Uh, you will be able to share with your night dreams, and I'm, you know, I like very much working with people's night dreams because it's such a useful tool. 
you will be able to call in and um, uh, discuss whatever issues you want or make comments. Um, I also want to remind you, my new book just came out, already not just, it was almost a, a month ago, uh, called uh, Taming the Debater Within. Uh, it's available on Amazon.com. And I want to wish you a wonderful week. I hope I will have your attention next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Uh, and peace to all who want to live in peace.